Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Well, welcome back to uh, our Facebook Live uh, as we're going through. Uh, my book on creation of marriage, I think it comes up backwards. I hate showing these books when they come up backwards like that. But uh, we, I wrote a book uh, in 2012 called Creation of Marriage. And uh, last week we introduced that and started off. So this week we're going to get right into chapter one. Now, if we're going to talk about the creation of marriage, and I do believe that marriage is a created entity of God. As a matter of fact, I believe the whole creation is the stage for us to live out uh, our uh, created purpose and to live in marriage. And God made us to uh, literally bear his image in the earth and, and, and advance that image in the earth. And so w- as we start tonight, I've always been fascinated with Genesis chapter one, verse one. I'm going to stick to the book a little bit, not too much, but I, I'll be working through this book. So we're in chapter one. Uh, I'm going to start with the page I should have, I guess I should have did this before we got started here. Uh, we're on page uh, 13. So the name of the chapter is Let There Be Light. And so uh, in the, uh, the the very first chapter of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, if we're going to talk about creation of marriage, let's start in the creation. And that's what led this whole book to be developed as, uh, as God was showing me that we need to get back to the beginning of the creation, uh, as we started, as I started studying that, it just unfolded really, really well. And so the point I'm going to make tonight is let there be light. And so it says in Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. End of a sentence, actually end of a Hebrew paragraph. And then the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And so day one of creation, God said, let there be light. I'm not going to go into there's a lot I'd love to say about this, but I'm not going to go into that. Maybe we'll do that in another uh, time. But for tonight, let's just start with creation as we know it. Let there be light. You know, the Bible defines light. God himself is light. I know we like to quote God is love, but it equally says that God is light. And it also says God is holy. So we have these three aspects of God. Number one is holiness. Number two, he is light. Number three, he is um, holy, light, and love. And so when we see this, this whole picture of God, that uh, his, his, uh, that he is light. Now, it says, let there be light. Now, I'm going to point out to you right off the bat that the sun, the moon, the stars weren't made until day four. And so in day one, he says, let there be light. And there was light. And so we have to understand that the light means something totally different from what we see radiating from the sun or the stars or the moon. It has to be something else. And so that's what I want to delve into now. The, the principle of light and the, where this scripture will take us tonight is something that is very 
precious to me in, in, in a great revelation of what we do in our house churches that we're, you know, walking in the light is a, a very uh, powerful principle of what we do in the house church. And we're going to get back to that point. But for now, he said, let there be light. And there was light. And so the first thing in creation is illumination to be able to see. Let there be light. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And you understand that just a little bit of life overcomes darkness. Now, I want to point out a few things, and especially in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes right now, chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, I have that verse actually in here. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Top of page 15. Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. There's something in the human experience that if we're not constantly affirming and reaffirming the fact that we are a creature made by a creator, it does something to the human soul to the human psyche, to our thinking, to our feelings. There's a stabilizing effect to know that we were created by a creator and he has everything in control. Now, this has everything to do with marriage because don't forget where we're going with this. Marriage is a created entity that I believe is to be played out on the stage of this whole creation. And so when we see and, and, and stabilize our own heart. He says, remember your creators in the day, in your creator in the days of your youth. Because uh, when hard times come, this is a stabilizing factor. Now, today in our generation, many of us uh, are, are raised without that affirmation that we are creatures under creator. As a matter of fact, we're in the sin of Romans chapter one, nationwide and even worldwide, that we've exalted the creature above the creator and that the, the judgments that are poured out because of that are horrific. And you can study that on your own on Romans one. But he says, and because they uh, exalted the creature above the creator who's blessed forever. And amen. He began to put a judgment on the heart and the minds of men. As a matter of fact, the first judgment for literally uh, demoting God in your thinking is a judgment of darkness. God will allow darkness to come on your heart and on your head. And it's really a dilemma. And left in that condition, you will become delusional. And I believe that's where many people are today. And so he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Unfortunately, today, especially our young people right now, they're being raised by antagonists, atheists, uh, uh, scoffers, naysayers, uh, humanists. Uh, there's all kind of people who are really downplaying the idea of God. And really, if they do talk about God, it's a generic God or a God that's not even resembling the God of the Bible or only fragmentations of the God of the Bible. And so we have this problem here. I believe without any doubt that God created the heavens and the earth. And so this I, I, this is a continual affirmation in my own thinking. And, and we, we need to really many prayers in the Bible. If you study the prayers of the Bible, it says, Lord, you are God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Again, that prayer went over and over again and it really stabilized it. It, 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 it really grounded the people, settled the people and, and made them really have a, a, a firmer foundation from where to wage war or, or, or wax mighty in battle, whatever it took. 
uh, it, it was a stabilizing factor that we serve one who's much bigger than the whole universe that you and I are looking at. And so we serve a mighty God. But he says, remember your creators in the day, your creator in the days of your youth. And so many people today are being raised without that affirmation, without that belief system. Now in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, there's a, that whole chapter is called the hall of faith. In the beginning of that book, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, we can't see God. I mean, we've no man has ever seen God. We, we just don't see him. But he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of the things not seen. And so faith really has everything to do with, I don't see God, but I believe that he is. And if you look at chapter 11, verse three, look at this affirmation. He said, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And so by faith, we believe that the whole worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, this is very important and very stabilizing. Said, Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now faith is the substance of hope, the evidence of the unseen. We believe God said, let there be light. Look at that. As a matter of fact, in the first uh, three verses of the Bible, we have the entire triune nature of God revealed. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God, there's the second or the third person of the triune nature of God. The Holy Spirit moved on the face of the water and God said, there's the word of God. We'll get back to that in a minute. God said the spoken word of God, which is Jesus himself. It's Christ himself. He said, and God said, let there be light. Now, there's something to this light that I'm going to uh, develop over this this next uh, hour's worth of teaching. And I, I think it's a, a fascinating idea when we, we begin to see let there be light. Sun and the moon still ain't made. And for four days we have light. OK. By faith. We believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see were made with things that do not appear. So literally, these things that we see were spoken into existence by the word of God. Again, let me reemphasize one thing. We're talking about the creation of marriage. And we have to build our case for creation so we can see the power of God in the marriage covenant and in the marriage institution. This is why I am so adamant uh, about pr protecting this. This belongs to God. And I'm going to say this many times as we go through this. Marriage belongs to God. It does not belong to the Muslims. It does not belong to the to, to any denomination. It does not belong to the world or to the state. It belongs to God. And right now there's a mockery being made of it. Many perversions are being made of marriage is for man made by God for one man, one woman for one lifetime. Now, we'll stay with that thought. By faith, we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, some might scoff at this idea of just believing such a thing. Well, I want you to think about atheists for, or excuse me, let's just talk about Big Bang Theory just for a second. Someone believes that some big cataclysmic bang took place in the universe somewhere in eons of time on its own. Nothing made it. Nothing. It just all of a sudden happened. Where did it come from? Nobody even can dare to answer such a thing, but a big bang occurred. Okay. Now, out of that big bang, we have order 
and life and beauty and all. Nothing ever comes out of catastrophic things. It, it's, it would be like saying uh, that when we drop the bomb on, on, on uh, Nagasaki or, or, or in Hiroshima, that, that a, a city was created out. No, it did, it's just the opposite. Only chaos comes out of those type of things. Yet somehow we're supposed to believe that life came from this foolishness. Or we could take the Darwin theory, which is theory and which is foolishness. And, you know, why we've not seen one shred of evolution in 6,000 years of men is just silliness beyond silliness. And so, again, theories, but we, we say by faith, we believe that the worlds were framed by the word of God. At some point, folks, you have to have faith in a creator. I'm going to tell you right now, many people forget this. Many people forget it. We just lose sight of it and we get all caught up in the makeup of the earth called the world. And we're never looking at the foundational principles that made it, set it in order and uphold that order by the word of God's power. And he wants to uphold your life by the same word of his power. He wants to uphold your marriage. He wants to fix you. He wants to fix you first your spouse first and put you two together and get you where you, your home brings glory to God. Stay with me. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then he said, let there be light. If we can't have faith in a creator, you're going to have a struggle in your home, in your marriage. <coughs> you have to see this as way bigger than yourselves. Excuse me. <coughs> so, it also says right there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, <coughs> excuse me, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And when you begin to seek God diligently for your home, and I want to tell you, if you will begin to seek God diligently for your home, he can fix whatever condition your home is in. He can repair it. And it's going to it's going to uh, require divine change. But look, that's nothing changes until something changes. If God puts divine change in you, then he can bring your home into a great place. All right. Stay with me. Let's get back to our point. He said, let there be light. Now, as I build this point, I want you to think this little phrase, the revelation of. Of relationship. If we're going to have created marriage, we're going to have a creation of marriage. I believe the first thing involved in it is light. Now, this is the first thing on, on the plate. It's the first thing. So we should get this in order. Now, light illuminates. Light shines and shows us. It allows us to see. It, it, it allows us to see one another. Walking in light is very uncomfortable for very many people. I want to tell you, most people are so guarded, so hidden, and even worse, walking in overt darkness that any light, any amount of light on their life is very uncomfortable. We've experienced this time and time and again in the house church. And as I develop this point, you'll see what I'm, I mean. And so it says, let there be light. And the revelation of relationship is where we're going with this. And you'll see this as it develops. All right. Stay with the point. Now, I want to bring in another verse from the whole other end of the Bible in Revelation 13. 
Actually, Revelation 13 is talking about one of the most important points in end times, uh, the mark of the beast, you know, the, the beast of Revelation 13, a second beast comes out and everybody gets this mark of the beast. Well, in that time, this second beast causes everybody to worship uh, or really submit to the beast. Uh, and it says in verse eight, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, worship the beast whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now look at there, the lamb, that's Jesus, the lamb of God was slain from the very foundation of the world. Now there is an interesting point before the world ever began, began in the heart and mind of God, Jesus was already crucified. This is an amazing thing to me. I heard a preacher say one time uh, that did, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God. Basically, he could see, he sees the end from the beginning. God is omniscient. He knows it all. He knows the end before the beginning. And he says, so here's, here's the, the whole picture, folks. Before the world began, somewhere in the communication between the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, somewhere they covenant together that God would create an earth and he'd put a man in it and the man would sin against God and he would fall and God's holiness would require the death of that man. And the, the man's will left alone would go totally corrupt. And, and so one day in the fullness of time, God himself would have to intervene, either destroy the whole planet or intervene. And so what he did, he, before it even started in the heart and mind of God in the Godhead, however this works, Jesus was already crucified. He was slain before he fixed the problem before it started. Hallelujah. He fixed it before it ever began. This is so awesome. Look, he knew man would fall. And he knew he would redeem man. This is so great. Now, let me get to the point on the creation of light. Let there be light. There's a great book called the book of Job. Many believe it's one of the oldest books that was ever written. <clears throat> In the book of Job, uh, certainly it's one of the oldest books of the Bible. It was really probably the first book of the Bible, but we find Job placed in the Old Testament just before the Psalms. And uh, in chapter 38, now Job, if you've never read it, the book of Job is about a man who was being attacked by the devil because God let him get attacked by the devil. He wasn't apparently doing anything grossly wrong, but uh, God just let him get attacked. And boy, horror upon horror, he lost everything. And he sat there and three friends, well, four friends came to visit him and, and it was just not a pretty scene. I mean, they, they just really drug him over the coals. It's just like, you know, you're sinning. What's wrong with you? Why you sin? You're being punished by God. And, and Job was defending himself and that didn't look good either. And so we get all the way to the book of uh, the end of the book in chapter 38. Let's look at this real quick. In chapter 38, Interesting passage. It said, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? That'd be a great question to ask ourselves. Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? 
To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Wow. So God was putting Job on the spot. You've been talking all kind of stuff, Job. Job had even at one point said, I wish he were here right now. I demand, I want answers. God said, here I am. Now, what you talking about? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And there's an interesting part there at the very end. He says, when the, when the, the morning star or the stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, now this is a scene going back to the creation. God said, Job, where were you when I created the heaven and the earth? Where were you? You weren't here yet. He said, where were you when all this was being, was transformed? When the, why did all the sons of God shout for joy? Why did the whole heavenly host erupt in a, in a, in a, in a symphonic praise and a, and a, and an elaborate work? It was just amazing. Let me tell you, I believe when God said, let there be light, he pulled the veil of darkness off of the fact that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. I believe he began to illuminate it to all the host of heaven and it showed the wisdom of God from the very beginning that in the very beginning of the creation, God slay, he slew the lamb in his own heart and mind and redeemed mankind before man even started sinning. And the, when he revealed the cross of Christ, this whole world is set on that axis of the cross of Christ. It is attached to it. It's fixed to it. It revolves around it. Everything in this creation is affixed to the lamb being slain before the foundation of the world. If we ever lose sight of that, or if you could ever get revelation of that, it'll revolutionize who you are, what you are, why you're married and what you're all about. You'll see it. And the sons of God shouted for joy at the brilliance of God's wisdom that he redeemed mankind from what seemed irredeemable. This is fantastic. When the sons of God shouted for joy, I believe at the very beginning of creation, God revealed to the host of heaven, whatever that looks like, that in the fullness of time, I will slay my son. And this is the light of the world. It has nothing to do with sun, has nothing to do with moon, has nothing to do with stars. It has everything to do with spiritual revelation of Christ crucified. Now stay with this thought just for a minute. In the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. What? The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. In him, in Jesus, in Christ, in the word was life. And that life is the light of men. Oh, if this won't build the whole case for what I'm trying to say. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. The revealing of the life of Christ and the life that is in Christ Jesus has everything to do with 
with the whole illumination of this earth has everything to do with spiritual revelation. Now, when I start marriage counseling with a couple, uh, whether to preparing them for marriage or trying to repair marriage, uh, we always start with this. We always try to I say, OK, I need to know your spiritual history, your spiritual background. Talk to me about how you got saved. And it's always fascinating to hear these stories. And uh, I, I really hate the ones that say, and I went and we prayed the sinner's prayer and I got saved. And that's it. End of the story that now I'm saved. I said, oh, OK. And so when we when we look at that issue of sinner's prayer conversion, basically just we did the religious compliance thing. And now I've, I've checked that box. I'm saved. Uh, without any new birth. Listen, if we're going to have a marriage that fulfills God's intended purpose, God's created purpose for marriage, it's going to have to start with two people who are in the spiritual new birth. Now, I know many people, even pagans, can get married and have a marriage. I know that. And many have have have, have done okay, married, and, and they've really... If in, in just the created issues, it's okay. I mean, it's got nothing to do with salvation or new birth. It won't make you saved. It won't make you a Christian. But the fact is, God created this before anybody ever knew about Christianity, really. The fact is that when we, when we deal with the idea of, of marriage being a created issue, you and I as created beings who have fallen from God's intended purpose, He never intended that we would sin. But we do. And when we do, we have need of a savior. The fact is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if there is no remedy for sin, then we will certainly be damned for eternity. God's holiness demands that when a sin is committed, blood must be shed. That is the law of God. And as a matter of fact, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It cannot be done. And so God in his brilliance, in his wisdom, and that's what 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us, the greatest wisdom of God is the cross of Christ itself. As a matter of fact, when I read the Proverbs, when I see the word wisdom, I exchange that immediately for the cross. I immediately, in my thinking, it's immediately talking about the cross. And there's two wisdoms talked about in Proverbs. One is the cross of Christ. The other is the wisdom of the world. And I believe this is the adulterous woman talked of uh, all through the book of Proverbs. He talks about the adulterous woman. Now, certainly he's, he's absolutely talking about adultery. But uh, I believe the, the, the bigger thought is that we leave the wisdom of God, the cross of Christ, and we take on the world's wisdom and professing ourselves to be wise. We become fools and we fall. We are fallen vessels. And until we understand the fallen nature and understand the need for redemption, that we would call on God and say, God, in your mercy, we know that your holiness requires our death, but in your mercy, in your judgment, remember your mercy. I fall on the, on the blood of Christ. I appeal to you through the blood of Christ. Have mercy on my soul. And we, we, we seek that cross and we go through that cross until there's nothing left to us there. And the love of God transforms us. And we become, as we go through the cross, the old man we were dies and we come up a new creature 
in Christ Jesus. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2, it tells us that, that by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained that we should walk in them. Now look at that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. See, I believe that the fall of man and the sinfulness of man, we need to be recreated in Christ Jesus. And that's what the apostle John saw in the brilliance of his gospel. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and that life is the light of men. The revealing of the life of Christ is the light. It is the light that you and I should walk in. It's the only light that can give us new life. In him is life and that life is light. If the life of Christ won't illuminate your life and how you should live your own life, your spouse should live their life and the corporately we walk in the light of that life. Y'all, this is how we save marriage, heal marriage and begin to be. It starts with two redeemed individuals. How's your spiritual life? If something's wrong in your marriage, you ought to look at your own self. Because if you're trying to get your spouse to make you do better, you're wrong. If you're dependent on your spouse to fulfill all your needs, then you're, you've gone to the wrong. Your, your spouse is not your God. You need to turn to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything you got. You see, the recreation of man is so important. We are created in Christ Jesus unto a good work. And I believe marriage is a good work. I believe that the character of Christ being reformed in us is a good work. And, and we should look at that. As a matter of fact, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus got through giving the nine blessings of the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those who, who, uh, who, uh, are the poor in spirit and those who mourn and the, you know, the, the whole nine. He, he said, all these blessings on these character references. When he got to the end of that, he said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And I believe this is the light that God wants the world to see are those who have been redeemed by Christ carrying the characteristics of Christ, poor in spirit, mourn, hunger and thirst for righteousness, meek, uh, you, you, all the whole nine poured into us. Those nine giftings are really nine character blessings that are, I believe are there's just totally the character characteristics of the new birth that come into us when we're born again. You see, too often what we have are religious people who, have, who are churched and we, we all get surprised. Well, they went to church. Why did they get a divorce? Oh, what happened? We didn't, they were, they're good church going to be, are they saved? Well, they go to church. I didn't say that. Are they saved? See, cause most religious institutions today are not bringing people into the new birth. And if you can't come to grips with that, you're going to have a hard time coming to grips with anything I say. You have to look at the fact of the fallacy of religion has just become another system of the world. And I'm not calling you to a religion. I'm calling you to a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would be changed and be born again in a new birth. And that new birth would begin to affect not only would just, it doesn't give you a, a new start or, or, or a new beginning. It, it, it isn't like a makeover. It's literally you die and become a new creature in Christ. 
We don't need any more of you. We need less of you. A selfectomy. We need to die and co-crucified with Christ, co-buried, co-risen. New creatures in Christ Jesus. When I start marriage counseling, I always start here. Let's talk about your new birth. Folks, when something goes wrong in marriage, anytime something goes wrong in marriage, start here. This is the place to start. What's wrong with your spiritual life? Have you let things slip? How's your prayer life? How's your time in the Word of God? How's your fellowship? You see, I'm going to a point here. You stay with me. This point is going to get awful sticky. It's going to be hard to hide your religion in this one. Keep going with me. The Gospel of John. Let's go now to John. First John, chapter five, uh, chapter one, excuse me, verse five. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. There we go. And in him, in God, is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, to me, this passage of scripture uh, uh, literally has been one of the greatest revelations in my personal life uh, and in my ministry. The fact is that when we start, when this thing came aware that as we walk in the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. I want you to see that this is so vital and so important. This is this this totally led me into the relational ministry into house church. Actually, it started as cell groups, but now house church is the where it's at. The fact is that we if we walk in the light. Now, remember, this is the beginning of creation light. What is the light? The life of Christ revealed. The crucifixion of Christ gives life to men, new life to men. It's the place of redemption. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, let me tell you, there's no greater place to have and begin that fellowship than with your spouse. You understand that? If we can't walk in the light with our spouse, we're joking if we're trying to Walk into some, I remember the uh, first pastor, he asked this lady, said, well, ma'am, is your husband says, is saved? And she said, well, he says he is. Well, look, if the person you're married to isn't sure if you're saved or not, you're probably going to hell. Is that a good bet? If the person you live with all day long, 24 seven, doesn't really know if you're a Christian or can't see any fruit of Christianity, guess what? You're probably going to hell. Why not? If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, I want you to notice something about this passage. It does not try to, it doesn't make any attempt at all to define darkness. He says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So we we have a benchmark. God is light. And he said, but if we walk in the light, in the light of God, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, isn't that 
in a transitory, if you would, look at the, the idea that God's light gives us the ability to have relationship with one another. You see, no darkness, transparency, openness, clarity, no secrets. When we think about this in the marriage covenant and the secrets and the covered issues, uh, this is where problems begin. If we can't communicate, then something's very wrong. Please stop right here and think about it. Why can't you talk to the person you love the most? Why can't you communicate with them? Why can't you talk to them? Why can't you open up to them? You see, when I first became a Christian, got married, and uh, I didn't know how to do any of this. I mean, I was totally ignorant. I had no idea. And so uh, I'd come home from work just like uh, all good husbands do, come home from work, and my wife would say, how's your day? I said, great. How was yours? Good. How's it? Phone would ring. Back in them days, we, had, we didn't have cell phones. We had you know, off the wall phones and you, you, you were hung to a line there. And one of my partners would come, Hey bro, what's going on? Hey man, I mean, today we had our lift at work and we did this and we did that. And we, and I'm telling my buddy about all the day's work. My wife said one day, she said, what are you gay? <laughs> said, what? Why you talk to all your men friends and not to me? She had a great point. It's an excellent point. Well, why did I talk to guys and not to her? I personally believe it was learned behavior. We'll get way more into this. But the fact is, I, I said, okay, what we did, we, uh, we quit doing that. We, I, I said, uh-uh, we're going to talk, bud. And so we made coffee every afternoon. Now I'm addicted to caffeine, but I can tell you right now, we have a great com communication life. Huh? Hebrews. <laughs> Love me some coffee, but I love talking to my wife. We talk. We just etch out time and we sit and we talk. What's going on? What, what do you, what do we think about this? What do we think about that? What's happening? And so we talk. We communicate. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now think about this. Do you have communion with your spouse? Now I'm going to get way into this because fellowship Koinonia, communion, koinonia, same word. Do you have fellowship with your spouse or do you just coexist? Or do you just talk soulish? Is there a spiritual communion? You see, he anoints the communion table with the oil of gladness. Is there joy in your home? Are you just fussing all the time? Are you grumpy all the time? Are you just... Sold up all the time. Don't say nothing all the time. What's wrong with you? You see, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, communion with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What if we don't walk in fellowship with one another? Would it make void the great promise of the cleansing of the blood? I believe it does. Maybe that's the answer to the question. Maybe you just ain't cleansed by the blood of the Lamb.
Let's see. John chapter 3. Let's go back to his gospel of John. Y'all will like this verse. Everybody quotes it. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How many of y'all just quoted that with me? I believe everybody just, we know that one, brother. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. We hold it up at the football game in the end zone. John 3, 16. All right, let's read 17. It's a bummer from here, y'all. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation. Now he's going to define condemnation. That light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than life because their deeds were evil. Maybe that's why we don't talk to each other. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Ooh, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Whoa. Let me tell you something about John 3, 16 and following. This is the condemnation. Light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. You see, we don't like the life of Jesus if you really want to get down to it because it impends, it, 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 it really interferes with us doing what we want to do. So we make a religion out of it. We, we check the box that I went to church and we check the box that I say the sinner's prayer and we check uh, the box that uh, 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 whatever religious uh, thing you may do next. But let me tell you something, folks, you can check all the boxes you want to check. But the fact is, if you don't want to walk in the light, it means you don't love the life of Christ. And if you don't love Christ, why in the world would you even want to go to heaven? Just go and go to hell. Live it up, man. Help yourself. Sin like a fool. Go be crazy. You're going to hell anyway. Why not? Agree with it. Go for it. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Whole religions are set up for those who would rather walk in darkness than light. As a matter of fact, I think most of the institutionalized religion today is set up totally to walk in darkness. That means to walk without fellowship with one another. You see, you come to the big meeting and you're dressed up really nice because that's what you do. You dress nice. Now, uh, you, you dress up, you put on your, your Sunday attire and you go to church and you don't have to know anybody there. Not a soul. And you walk, hey, how y'all doing? That's our fellowship now. That's most people's fellowship. Hey, we should say there. And very few might even go eat lunch together or something, but that's it. Don't bring them folk up in your house. They don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to them. Don't want them to see how you live. They don't want to see all of what's in your liquor cabinet. And they don't want to see, you don't want them to see all of the movies you got hanging. They don't want, you don't want them to see how you live. Light makes things uncomfortable. Huh? Light is scary if you're in darkness. 
Light exposes. But it's a powerful tool. As a matter of fact, I think light is one of the pillars of the foundation of, of, of the earth. It's one of the pillars. Light. And when we see that walking in the light makes us uncomfortable, we shouldn't run away from light and, and, and go hide and make darkness a cloak. Come to the light. This is why people love religion. You can be non-relational. You can go check the box that I went to church or I went to worship. You can live however you want to live. Nobody questions that. You say, I've said them. You just say, I'm a Christian. You can cuss. You can drink. You can, you can party like, a, or you can just live a total worldly lifestyle. And, but you've checked the boxes and everybody can't question that. I've checked the boxes, but you walk in darkness. If we settle this issue, we'll see marriages healed. If we settle this issue, we'll see those who are living together repent and get married. If we settle this issue, we're going to see many who are in perversion repent and get back to their creative purpose of male and female. Walking in the light. It's a strong subject. It's a scary subject to many. It's awkward. Look, I've been doing house church for 16 years. You, nobody has to tell me how awkward it is. But when people who never experienced that before walk at house church, they go deer in headlight. You'd swear we, we, we had an episode of Law and Order and then tell you the, 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 the light. The, what'd you do? You, you did it, didn't you? You did it. You did it. You did it. You did it. Nobody's saying anything like that. But that's how people feel. You ever been in one of them caves where there's really no light and they, the tour guide just turns the little light that they have off? Well, that's some serious dark down in a, in a cave, huh? But one little match, one little Bic light or anything, light overcomes. Folks, let me tell you how comfortable it is to have light. I see so many people are in gross darkness. Oh, just a little bit of light will set you free. It'll make you live. Let's get back in here in, the, in this. In Ephesians 5.13, it says this. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. The word of God. And this is the thing. When he said, let there be light, the word of God is just light in itself. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word is so illuminating. The word of God is a spiritual illumination. And when we consider this in the home and in the marriage, we're going to get into such detail on this as we go through this book. But I'm just laying the foundations right now. And the beginning of the foundation is walking in the light. Some of you out there really need to expose yourself for the first time. You know what? Your spouse may have seen you physically unclothed, but let me tell you something. Until they see your heart exposed, they've not seen anything. And the fact is, most of us are wearing concrete for clothing when it comes to the heart. 
Most of us are wearing such an armor around our heart that's like the, the walls of, a, of a, a strong city or the bars of a castle. Nobody can get into the heart. I see men who are so measured they, they carefully, especially in, in church settings, men measure their words so they're so careful because they're afraid their heart might ease out. I see men hide behind a drink, a cup of coffee or something. Or they'll hold a baby. Don't nobody talk to him and hide behind this baby. Just don't make me say anything from my heart. That's amazing. Men are about half sex crazed most of the time. Ain't afraid to get naked physically, but are scared silly to show their heart. That's why I love King David. King David was anointed to kill people. You understand that? He was just anointed. He killed Goliath. Huh? Hit him in the head with a rock, then cut his head off. Now, isn't that great? But he could just cry like a baby when his friend hurt him. Because his heart was so transparent. He could lead the battle. So you've ever read all the mighty men that followed David. It's like them. There were some scary people and they followed him. They did whatever he said to because he was bad to the bone. God just anointed him that way. But he could write a psalm and just say his the pains of his heart would show when relationships went bad or when a friend betrayed him. Y'all, when we can begin to have men share their heart. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting you fellas tonight right now. When we can let light come on. Maybe it's time you confess your sins before God and then begin to try to tell them to your spouse. Maybe it's time you get clean. Let the light make manifest, expose it. You know what? You're thinking, oh, what would people think? What would people think? What would people think? You know what? We don't, we all sin and came short of the glory. We don't really think much. We don't think we don't know what to think because you won't say nothing that means anything. Boy, the cleansing power of light. A friend of mine owns a big old metal shop and he was showing me the ability of light to cut metal. Tremendous. Just tremendous. And when I think of the power of light, the speed of light, And that light makes manifest the world and it gives life. Come on, man. Everything in this earth is dependent on light shining on it. But especially your relationships. And if you're walking in darkness, folks, you're not living. You know, I know that a lot of emphasis is placed on the love of God. God is love. And that's fact. God is love. But he is also light and he is also holy. And when we first deal with the the first outstanding feature of God's character is that he's holy and we're not. And so all of a sudden we deal with the sinfulness of man in the light of God's holy countenance. We shudder to think that our deeds are exposed. 
And only the love of God comforts us. But it seems like we just want to bypass the idea of his light and his love. I mean, his holy light, uh, holiness and his light, that his holiness emanates. Every creature in heaven, when they see him, says, holy, holy, holy. And the light, it just emanates from God. And it exposes everything that comes near. You can't hide from this. There's no hiding. Hide where? Where will I go from his presence? Should I go in the depths? He'll see it. How silly. He can't see me now. We're like little children. But the holiness of God manifests the sinfulness of man. The light of God exposes this. But let me tell you something. The holiness of God and the love of God were brought together when the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. Before the world began, God had already done this. He had made a way to fix you. And so no matter what problem you're in, man, woman, whatever problem you're in, come to the lamb that was slain before the world began. If he can fix in this whole world and he can create it with the word of his power, what can he do with your world? He can change your life. Some of you out there are thinking divorce would be my answer. You are wrong. Some of you out there is thinking I'll get a better spouse. No, you won't. What you need to do is get a better life. The life of Christ. Put your old man to death with Christ on the cross. Come up a new creature in Christ. Let God raise you from the dead. Make you a new person. Let him revive your marriage. We're going to be praying for y'all. If y'all have any questions, give us a shout. Go to our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. And send us a letter. Many of you are already sending us messages right now. And uh, we're, we're trying to answer every one of them we can. And it's a blessing. I've seen people from all over the country, all over the world, really, are starting to really uh, contact us. British Columbia. I've seen all kinds of people uh, following us and liking on the stuff. So it's really exciting. But we want to see some marriages get right. But it starts with individuals getting right. God said, let there be light. The first order of business let the light of God shine in your own heart and, 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 and really illuminate the face of Jesus Christ in your own heart and mind. Come on. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He can command the light to shine in your heart and you can see Jesus as clear as a bell. Amen. God bless you. We're praying for you. Talk to us through, Facebook, uh, through, through the website. And if you need us, we'll try to help you. God bless you. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's Word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.